Welcome back, listener, to the Campbell's Footballs podcast. I'm joined for this episode by something completely different. I'm joined by the voice of Scottish football, especially from Edinburgh side, Lewis Cumming. Lewis, a warm welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on, mate, and uh, really interested to hear your uh, your story and, and following your um, journey so far. First of all, how are you coping during the fact that we've no football in the moment? Um, yeah, I've not really missed the football that much. Mm. <laughs> hip, hip season was first uh, as soon as we were beating Pitodri. <laughs> um, so that, and I quite like all this stuff that happens off the pitch in Scottish football, so I've been pretty over the last couple of months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those who, for those of you who don't don't don't, uh, don't know you or, or haven't really uh, known a lot about you, uh, your uh, Twitter is uh, very interesting. So Scottish football ad hoc rants unconventional, which I think is a very apt um, title for your Twitter handle. I had I had a, I had a few uh, bios on my Twitter before that maybe sounded a bit up more arse a bit, but then. I thought that, that summed up pretty well. Um, I don't speak about much other than Scottish football, which is maybe a bit sad. Mm. But um, what I have noticed is a lot of my opinions do seem to be a bit... Uh, not crazy, but just different. I, I'm very much against the status quo. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to me, you seem a very positive thinker on social media. And that was the reason why I wanted to have you on this podcast, is because a lot of Scottish football people I see in the media... Uh, fans that I know and, and, and newspapers that we read are very negative and very passive about football and I, I, we're recording this on the 17th of May and we hear people like Darren Fletcher coming on to BBC Sports Scotland and really trying to talk up Scottish football and you're one of the very few people that I see on in the game that are trying to do the same Yeah, I get really annoyed that uh, within the Scottish media there's just an acceptance that this is the best product we'll ever have mm. Um, the fact that nobody outside of the old firm has won the league in, what is it, 30 odd years or something, mm-hmm. I think that's criminal. Yeah. I know these are two massive clubs, but there's just been nothing done in Scottish football for such a long time that's going to even attempt to make it a better product, more exciting uh, to the fans within the country to actually yes. make us go to the games or indeed to actually have a better product to sell to broadcasters. Yeah, no, I completely agree yeah. with you. I mean, I mean, what would you like to see happening to try and narrow the chasm, so to speak? Because Rangers and Celtic, I mean, certainly Rangers in recent times have really kind of got back to where they were, having been yeah. demoted down the leagues uh, through, through we all know, very high topical, high newspaper reports. Um, they've come back and really they've sort of reasserted their position alongside Celtic as the, the big two in Scottish football. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're two massive clubs and it's I'd be naive to think that uh, your next wave of clubs like Hibs, Aberdeen and Harps um, could really compete mm. considering how, much, how many fans Celtic Rangers get compared to those three clubs. But the biggest thing for me is the European money that comes in. I wouldn't want to take away gate receipts from Rangers and Celtic or any of the money that they can get from shirt sales or whatever because mm. that's, that's their... Like, they've earned that. Yeah. But when it comes to European football... 
like when Celtic were getting the Champions League uh, year after year or every other year, like they were getting 40, 30, 40 million pounds. Yeah. Like the revenue just uh, in, increased prize money just for doing well in that competition. Mm-hmm. So do you mean Hibs, Hibs Hearts up already make about 10 to 15 million pounds a year? Max, like max. And that is absolutely max now. Uh, ticket sales, maximum hospitality, everything. And then these clubs who are already massive and huge compared to the rest of Scottish football are, are getting another 10, 15, 20, 30 million pounds. Yeah. No, I prize money. Yeah. just can't compete. And then I think, say Celtic do really, really well in the Champions League, um, clubs like Hibs will benefit from that with mm-hmm. maybe getting an extra 250 grand when it trickles down the system. But I mean, I would rather Hibs never got that money. Yes. Uh, and Celtic didn't get an extra thirty million pounds because then we're closer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very it's a very interesting point, and I, I I think a lot of fans will definitely agree with you on that that the this divide in the money is is uh, a big issue. But we'll come on to that uh, discussion a little bit later on in terms of what we could do to maybe increase the sort of uh, novelty of Scottish football and, and make it a bit more interesting for the non old firm fans, so to speak. But I'm really interested to hear about your own personal journey, Lewis, because you know you're very unconventional, as you mentioned, um, to a lot of other guests I've had on the show, and as I said, that you're a very positive guy trying to build into the, the world of Scottish football so what made you want to explore football in the first place growing up as a kid what are your first memories of football um, to be honest it's probably getting dragged to East Road mm-hmm. um, I mean I've been a Hibs fan ever since I can remember um, my dad's a big Hibs fan he's he was from Glenrothes and I think as soon as him and his pal uh, from Glenrothes got to the age that he could travel through to Edinburgh mm-hmm. that, or when they went to university through here um, that was um, season ticket holders, and they've been season ticket holders ever since. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't think I had a choice, mm-hmm. <laughs> and whether I was going to be a Hibs fan or not. Yeah. Did you ever play the game yourself? I mean, I never, I never really played for a team until I was sixteen, seventeen. I mean, uh, played in school teams in our primary school. It was pretty apparent I wasn't going to make it as a football. Not <laughs> 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 like me then. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I've always loved going to the games. Mm-hmm. Like that that's what got me through the, the school week to be honest. Like yep. knowing that on Saturday I'd be going to East Road with my dad and his pal. Mm-hmm. I mean when I started going to the games it wasn't exactly the most conventional atmosphere to have a kid in. Yeah. We'd go to the Diona Bar on East Road before the game and there'd be like a just a sheet of smoke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were still smoking in the pubs. Yeah. We we were uh, we would probably we would spend most of our time with all kids in the pub who'd be outside kicking cans mm-hmm. uh, using that as a football yeah absolutely yeah. Um, but, the, but the goal was being the bollards on Easter Road so shooting onto Easter Road the cars driving down it was you don't see kids in that these days no no absolutely no. and I was saying to a lot of people who have been on this podcast you know people who did the jumpers for goalposts sort of idea growing up and that's how I remember things growing up and you just don't see that now with obviously the increase in technology and, and maybe the fact that you know there's maybe not the same opportunities or the same groups of people doing these sorts of activities yeah, no, definitely. Like, I remember after school every day, me and my pals would be kicking a ball about um, whether that was uh, pears, knockout, um, hot ass, or whatever <laughs> local equivalent you've yeah. got. Um, every day we were playing football. I'd come home covered top to toe in mud. Mm. And I was never really that good enough to play for teams or whatever, but I just, I just remember loving it so much that. 
You could say I was, I'm obsessed, still obsessed. Yes, yes. And, and in a way, I'm obsessed as well because, you know, I, I remember the younger days, and I was just saying to this the other day, I, 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 I used to love football commentary. And uh, one of the things I used to have was I used to have an old marble, like some sort of marble run game with a pencil and some VHS tapes for goalposts. And I would put them up against the wall and I would try to sort of impersonate either Rob McLean or someone like Archie McPherson doing commentary. And, you know, I'd always hear my mum and dad shouting, will you shut up and, you know, don't do these sorts of things but you know it was always something I always wanted to do and it was somewhat a bit crazy and in terms of Hibs you know they're a club that have had some great highs in recent times but they not growing a few years ago they had some really tough times but they had a really good squad for about round about sort of the mid-2000s I mean who were your idols and inspirations following Hibs? Uh, I mean when I started going I think the players that I remember most were would have been obviously Frank Sozzi, um Russell Latapie Jim Layton and goes to Yobia, a yes. big fan. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Big Jim was a big Jim was a legend at Aberdeen, of course. But yeah, you, you mentioned Frank Sozzi and Russell Latapi. I mean, Latapi was an extremely gifted player on the ball, and you know he he was just a bit of a wizard, really, in terms of making Hibs tick. But Sozzi was an absolute warrior on the pitch. Oh, just something else. Like, I, to be honest, I was probably a bit young to really remember most of his time at Hibs, but. Mm. Um, Watching old videos back, like watching the video of like the six two game against Hearts, just mm. the players in that team are unbelievable. Yeah. Well, back then you had players like Mixu Patalainen, didn't you? And uh, yeah. you know, the, I think didn't Paul McGinley play once upon a time and round about that team? And he always had Latpey, as we mentioned. And uh, even at the back, they had some really solid players. We mentioned Susie, but they had a really solid side. Ulrich Larson or something. Yeah, Ulrich Larson was another one. I was thinking. I was trying to remember his first name. But yeah, Ulrich Larson was a good one. Yeah. Smith. Yeah. I think that did he not have Anthony Ruggier for a while, the, the the French wee guy on the on the wing. That is a name that rings a bell, but I do not remember him really yeah. at all. <laughs> maybe maybe a bit before your time. <laughs> I don't yeah. I mean, there some some poor players as well. I think Alan Norman was one of them. I thought he was horrendous at him. And got Scalson. Got Scalson was the goalkeeper, wasn't he? Got Scalson. He was the goalkeeper, if I remember correctly, aye, that aye. time. I don't remember how much it's Icelandic. Yeah. I'm sure he's, uh, he's been has he been in jail recently or something? I, 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 I don't know. I, I seem to think I seem to think that might be a true story, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Maybe maybe my fellow friend Josh Godfrey, who's a big uh, Hibs fan listening to this, maybe want to, to back us up on that. Give us a message on Twitter or on the Campbell's Fools Facebook page. <laughs> She was involved in some sort of drug yeah, scandal yeah, or yeah. something. Or. I mean, I always remember Mixu Patalainen. I mean, he was a, an unbelievable player. And, you know, the, the interchange him and Latterby had on, on numerous occasions. I mean, I remember one game. Um, Hibs came to Batadre and, and, and they won 2-0. Um, Aberdeen went down to 10 men. I think it was in the fourth or fifth minute. I think it was Mark Perry was sent off. Uh, Latterby netted a penalty. And Aberdeen did okay. I mean, they didn't really threaten Hibs. But, um, obviously, Patalainen scored a second goal towards the end of the game. But, I mean, that was my first memories of watching Hibs playing Aberdeen. Another memory I have very recent, well, I say recent, it's 20 years ago now, it was 2000 when, uh, you know, a really poor game, a half-past five game, I remember it very vividly, Aberdeen winning it 2-0, Robbie Winters scoring a header around about 89th minute, and then Hibs looking for an equaliser from the corner, and Hisham Zero Ali goes up the other end of the pitch and, you know, runs out to the pitch and scores into an empty goal. I mean, what a crazy finish to that game. I do, I do actually remember watching that one in my dad's house. Yeah, yeah. Not great for a Hibs fan, though. <laughs> no, I think it was in Nick Colgan. Yeah, the yeah. He was a decent keeper, I thought. Yeah, I think... 
don't know. I think he's just a typical hips keeper. Mm. Um, a lot of good saves or whatever, but just inconsistent. Mm. Mm. I also think they, at that Hibs team back in the day, they had John O'Neill in the team, who was always a really good steady Eddie in the team. Did not, I think he had a spell at St Johnston as well. He was always very solid, and and you know that that Hibs team for me should have been doing much better in my view than they did. But you know, even looking at some of the the players in more recent times, I mean that that squad around about the mid two thousands. Obviously Scott Brown was in that team. You had Michael Stewart in that team. You had Boozalan in that team. That was a really good Hibs squad. And we're not even talking about people like Derek Ryder. And, and Gary O'Connor up front. I know, it was, was an incredible team, I think. Um, well, that was the team that won us the League Cup, I think, mm-hmm. in 2007. Um, That's right. players. I had, I had Scott Brown, obviously. Um, Kevin Thompson, Murphy, Whitaker, uh, Zamama, Benji. Yeah. Like, just a brilliant team. Mm. Is, that, um, is that team better than the team that won the Scottish Cup in 2016 for you? I don't think. We could have a team with Messi and Ronaldo and no, no Hibs fan would even dare to say that they were better than the team that won the cup. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and the reason I, 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 that's probably an unfair comparison because obviously that was the, the first te- the first time that Hibs have won the cup in hundred plus years. And, but I, we were just talking before we started recording this podcast, and you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not a Hibs or a Rangers fan by any manner of means, but I remember just getting out of my seat when David Gray nods in that winning goal because I keep saying to people he is the ultimate captain of that Hibs team, and you know. I don't think anybody could have seen that result coming, especially after Rangers took a 2-1 lead because you know they had the momentum in the game. It was looking like they were going to end their their sort of barren run of not winning a trophy. It was almost looking like another hard luck story for Hibs. But one thing I also remember from that final was how good Anthony Stokes was. That was a weird one that day because I think throughout that season, Hibs fans had been questioning Stokes every week. I think Stokes said himself that he, he thought it was in a hard time, but he knew that he wasn't uh, performing mm. um, and I don't know if that was because we were in the championship um, and obviously the level, of, uh, the level of opposition wasn't great so maybe he couldn't get up for it but mm. the final was unbelievable that day Yeah, he got his two goals he had inside of the post from about right. yards uh, he honestly could have scored about five goals that day. Yeah, he was absolutely sensational. And I mean, I mean, I remember watching the game and thinking, Mark Warburton's got to do something to man Mark Stokes during the game. And even as early as the, the first minute when he scores that superb goal, I just thought, you know, it, it's possibly made for him, obviously, against his b- former better rivals, being a former Celtic player. I just, I had this initiation, I had this kind of intuition that he was going to be very good. And, you know, it, it, it proved the case. He was, he was absolutely outstanding in that game. Intuition that it was going to be very good that day, but just being a Hibs fan and going through that season, mm. I had an intuition that we were just—it it was just going to be another hard luck story. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> remember, well, of course, we had the League Cup final. Yeah, because Hibs have been in Scottish Cup finals quite a lot, but they've been—you know—remember you know, that obviously the really painful one being the, the Edinburgh Derby loss in 2012. You know, and Danny Granger on as a previous guest on this podcast, and you know that 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 Hibs. Game, that Hibs team I mean the, the penalty really kind of changes the game you know for me I still don't think it's a, it's a red card but you know 5-1 it was an absolute battering Hibs got in that final yeah I'm not gonna uh, question the card I think I've kept the terms of that maybe being a second yellow mm. uh, <laughs> but it wasn't in the box uh, and I'll always have that caveat mm. <laughs> against mm. that, that result yeah. um, I just I, I don't know I think that day 
things just just didn't go right from the start. I mean, mm-hmm. I think in the first ten minutes, Ian Black had elbowed Lee Griffiths in the face. Yeah. Um, nothing happens. Yeah. Hearts go two goals. We get one back, but thirty seconds of the second half is dead. Dead to ten yeah. minutes. Yeah, that was the boy uh, Kunjabi, wasn't it, that was sent off? Because did he not have an absolutely brilliant game against Aberdeen in the semi-final? What's that, sorry? I'm sorry, did he not have a brilliant game against Aberdeen in the semi-final, the guy Kunjabi that got sent off? Because remember, I, I remember speaking to Craig Brown about that. He's saying that the winning goal, Gary O'Connor, was about a yard and a half offside in the build-up to that goal which Griffiths scored. Um, I don't remember being offside. <laughs> I wasn't mm. looking out for that. Um, <laughs> it was some finish from Griffiths. It uh, was. To win that game. After the, the Aberdeen guy, was it Rory? Rory Fallon. Rory Fallon. Fallon. Rory Fallon. Yeah, yeah. Right, absolutely. The, the vet, yeah. The one, and I'm sure a lot of Aberdeen fans will agree with me. He, uh, that was probably the only real memory I have of him doing anything in an Aberdeen shirt. <laughs> it right. wasn't very good for us. Well, I, I didn't do it again that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think Padre get, Pakajabi gets in every single uh, Hibs shite 11 or SPFL shite 11. I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, I think that's harsh. I thought he played well in that semi-final, but I remember that game. I mean, Aberdeen were were behind early on. I think Jason Brown was in goal for Aberdeen. He did an absolute nightmare in the game, and uh, I remember watching the game and thinking, "We we are looking so poor here. We're 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 not looking like scoring in the month of Sundays." And then you mentioned the Rory Fallon goal, and you know when it, when you score a great goal like that. It should really galvanise a team, you know, they give them so much momentum to go and win the game, and and it, it didn't happen for them. It was it was just a rank rotten performance by Aberdeen that day, and and the Hibs obviously went on and won it, and oh, you know the circumstances, but it was just such a poor display from Aberdeen in that semi final. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult for it's difficult with Aberdeen. I think they're very similar to Hibs in a lot of ways. Mm. Where they are a, they're a big a big team for Scotland. Yeah. But they just don't seem to perform mm. um, when it matters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we get labelled bottle jobs all the time, like hipster, mm. all that. But I think the same could be said for Aberdeen. Well, I'd probably agree with you that, especially on the European stage. I mean, I mean, I mean, we 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 chatted off air before we we started this, and you know, I I've been quite frustrated on on a few occasions with Derry McInnes, and obviously Derry McInnes had a very successful tenure as Aberdeen manager, and, I, and you know, I cannot be denied. But my biggest criticism of McInnes would be to not have got Aberdeen to at least the playoff round, and you know, I mean, Craig Brown managed to do that with that Motherwell team quite a few years ago and I think I think Odensa beat them um, that was the game that I seem to remember him speaking to me about when we did a previous podcast and not listen to that one go with my Craig Brown double header you can listen to that one the Campbell's Football podcast but I think that's my biggest frustration of Aberdeen and you know the game, the, the games they've failed to not get through you know the, the Apollon Lumisol game the Kairat game that's got to be a disappointment from an Aberdeen perspective certainly from my point of view I don't know if any Aberdeen fans who are disagree with me on that will listen to this, but that's my biggest criticism of McInnes. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys have had more than enough opportunities and maybe good draws. Yes, more yeah. decent draws in inverted commas. Certainly not yeah. any, I mean, apart from maybe, Bur- well, we say Burnley's English Premiership team, I mean, you know, apparently yeah. we're at the bottom, of the, half, the bottom half of the table that season, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely does. There's an air of frustration, I think, for me that you know, certainly Toll have only won one trophy in McInnes's tenure as an Aberdeen fan. For me, is a disappointment, and I think that's maybe testament to how, obviously one side of the coin how dominant Celtic have been. 
but also the frustration at games that have got away from us. I mean, the, the 2017 Scottish Cup final still wrangles with me. I mean, it wrangles with a lot of Aberdeen fans and pals I know that were at that final. I mean, I, I wasn't even at the game and I was watching it and I, I you know, it's still, I still see that pass from Hayes to, uh, uh, from McLean or Hayes of that whole incident in, in my sleep and it just, it just, I get nightmares watching it. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> that frustrating. Was that a 90-second minute winner as well, Andy? Yeah, what's that? Was that a 90-second minute winner well, as well? Well, I thought it was the 89th minute winner. Yeah, 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 let's not go there because I'm still going to have nightmares. Yeah. Um, let's talk about managers of Hibs because, you know, Hibs have been blessed with a real range of managers in terms of, you know, good times and not so good times. Um, who's been the best manager? Is it Alan Stubbs because of winning the league, uh, the Scottish Cup 2016? Uh, I don't know if he's been the best. I mean, I think if you ask me to uh, have a statue of one manager outside the main Sandys Road, the statue would be a valid stop pointing to the fans with the trophy. Yeah. But I think since I've been going anyway, I think Tony Mowbray's probably been the best manager we've had. Right. Um, I think he was, he was probably quite lucky in that there was a lot of like that golden generation was coming through. Yeah. But you. You, you probably have to give him the credit for sticking with the young guys. Yes. Um, and giving them a chance. Yeah, definitely. Now, well, I think a lot of them came through with Bobby Williamson before. Yeah, that was the guy that I thought did quite well at Hibs. Bobby Williamson. Yeah, I mean, if he'd won the League Cup against Livingston in 2004. That's the, one think, that, that's the one that's yeah. got to be a bad one for him, I would have said. I, I think he would have had a, a much better... Um, sort of stand them at Hibs fans yes because uh, we beat, Rain- uh, beat Celtic in the quarterfinals Rangers in the semis yeah you lose two uh, no, no disrespect to Livingston but yeah I, I think we had 40,000 fans at Hamden that day yeah. again a, a wee corner uh-huh Boy, that's how big we are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Livingston that season. I mean, I think that was the days they had David Fernandez, didn't they? And you know, they, they, I they, think they, he scored one of the goals. Actually. Yeah, he he was a brilliant player, and I was, yeah. I was, I've got a couple of Livingston fans I know, and you know, he's the one sort of kind of cult hero that Livy fans always talk about. And you know, I think I, I I actually named him in my SPFL eleven. That you know, I I tried to pick one of each player, and I'd, I'd pick David Fernandez because you know he's he was a wizard on the ball, and he he would create chances and score chances out of nothing I mean I remember one game when Livingston went to Pataudry and my dad and I went to the game it was a blizzard, it was a blistering cold day it was it was snowing we were late getting to the game and we were already 1-0 down and uh, Aberdeen ended up losing the game so you know they were absolutely horrendous but there was two players that dominated that game uh, Fernandez obviously but big Marvin Andrews was absolutely uh, outstanding well, I was going to mention him because he's the reason they won that cup against us that day definitely Every time the ball went in the box, his big noggin just yeah <laughs> headed it out. Like, yeah. he was unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've said we've said already about you know Bobby Williamson and and you mentioned Tony Mowbray. I mean, Neil Lennon for a period did really well at Hibs. I thought. Aye, you know Lennon was good for Hibs. Um, I think if my, any of my pals are listening, they'd be laughing because. They all know my opinions towards Lennon, mm-hmm. <laughs> and even when he was at Hibs, I wasn't really his biggest fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he had one of the easiest jobs from football getting us promoted that season. Yeah. Um, purely because Hearts had been promoted the first season, Rangers were already up. Um, but United the other team that were going for the title that year. Yes. Um. And he got, he got us over the line. He's mm. done a good job. 
Yeah. The season in the Premiership, first season back up, he done a really good job. Yeah. He had some really good transfers and uh, getting guys back like Scott Allen, having Kim Berry McLaren up front for the mm. end of the season. Um, he done a really, really good job. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my biggest memory I have of uh, of yeah. Neil Lennon is the the helicopter celebration against Rangers. I mean, I mean, to, that was an incredible last game of the season. Was that a couple of seasons ago, three seasons ago, the five hole game? I mean, I, I, you probably were at that game. I mean, I I mean, I just watched that game. Hibs were three 0 up, and you know Aberdeen won at Celtic Park that day, and and you know there was this kind of obviously Aberdeen were, were trying to go for second place, and you know I remember watching the game on BT Sport and thinking Hibs surely can't blow this from three 0 up, but in typical Hibs fashion they did. <laughs> uh, well, I think the problem that was that we needed to win six 0 that day. Yeah. To get Europe, to guarantee Europe, um, and. You mean you you think we were crazy for thinking that is possible? But yeah. if you look at the squad we had, some of the firepower in that team. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, like you had Alan uh, and Barry McLaren, but you've got John McGinn, David Gray. Like, I mean, David Gray's a defender, but his delivery is unbelievable. Absolutely. So we knew, we knew we had a chance. Yeah. But no, maybe not winning six. No, but when it, when it went three 0 up in the first twenty five minutes. Because Rangers was all over the place in that yeah. game. They were all and over we, the place. We, we were Mm-hmm. 6-0 that day yeah um, but then because we were pushing for the 4th goal pushing for the 5th then Rangers were able to just yeah. um, absolutely tear us apart and they scored 5 in no reply yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be one of the best games you've been to though I mean obviously not as a Hibs fan but as a neutral I mean what's a game well I, I mean I don't think there's many teams in the world that you can follow and say you've been a 6-6 a 5-5 five, five, a 4-4 four, four, yeah. well of course of course Motherwell 6 him 6 I mean, I mean what a game that was I mean obviously that was on BBC Sport uh, these Scotland Classics the other night and, and I remember watching that and thinking how on earth did Motherwell get a draw out that game but again I keep alluding to something that Craig Brown told me you know you know as fans when you're well behind in a game you stick with your team and there's actually a really good game that actually comes to mind when I think about Hibs is that Scottish Cup semi-final when they played Falkirk they were 3-0 down at half time and then they came back and won it 4-3 in extra time I mean that was an extraordinary semi-final uh, it was one of the most ridiculous days ever I think because yeah. <laughs> uh, that was obviously the year after uh, the Hearts Cup final mm. um, so I just remember sitting there at half time just thinking this, this is worse down to Championship Falkirk because um, we were in the Premiership so mm-hmm. back then yeah um, down, they're absolutely tearing us apart yeah um, and it looked like it was only going to be four or five like, it was only going to get worse than worse yeah uh, but then like, half, half the Hibs fans had left yes like, it was just dreams of Hibs fans leaving the stadium and nobody could blame them mm-hmm. uh, but then somehow Alex Harris has been subbed on at half time and just out of nowhere, pings at the top corner, um, and just I came back. Mm-hmm. It was that was one of the most uh, crazy days following Hibs. Absolutely. I we even missed a penalty. Yeah, Gr- um, Griffiths. Griffiths really. I think he was really a bit of a player in that game because was it not him that missed the penalty as well? Because I, I know yeah, he, he I know he scored the winner and he scored an absolute screamer in the, the, the top corner to level the game. But you know that was an extraordinary semi final and, and and in my opinion one of the best Scottish Cup semi finals ever probably. Uh, I, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly for drama. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the only one that probably comes to mind is that is it Celtic Dundee United. 
Um, oh yes, yes, yes. The four three game in that one. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, because yeah, no, so, what's that? I think that was the same weekend. I think, I think it was. Game. Yes, that's right. That's right. It was. Yeah. That's right. Yes, it was. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was. I knew we had the same, but I didn't think it was the same year. That's uh, quite extraordinary. We never actually talked about Easter Road, and you mentioned this at the very beginning about you know the sort of atmosphere and you know the anticipation of going to watch your beloved Hibs. What does Easter Road mean to you, Lewis? Because you know I, I've been to Edinburgh. I've never been to a game at Easter Road. I've been to Gorgie. I've been to a game at Tynecastle, but I've never been to Easter Road as of yet. It's my one of my, on my bucket list to go. What is Easter Road like as a ground for any fan listening to this that has never been? Well, I think it's one of the most beautiful structures on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love that as an opening gambit. <laughs> but the thing I love about Easter Road is it's the same thing as Tynecastle to an extent is that like, you could just be walking down the street and if you didn't know, like that's where Hibs of Hearts play, yeah. just turn in the corner and out of nowhere there's just this, this big massive stadium. Mm. It just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, which I think is brilliant. The thing about Easter Road is it's just like there's so many diff- there's so many great views you can get of it, and you can mm. be in so many different parts of the city. Yeah. And you just turn around, you just see a, you can just see the green. Um, what are they called? Like the big beams, the big structures. Uh, just sort of highlighting that this is where Hibs are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been following Hibs since we had the old, effectively the old stadium, mm-hmm. uh, um, the old main stand and the old east stand. Um, I mean, it looks a lot nicer now. It was a lot more um, atmospheric when we had the old east stand. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember watching any games with that east stand bounced to them. I, d- I do. Yeah. Was this was this pre? This was pre. Yeah. This was pre-2010, wasn't it? I think 2010 was possibly the last year. Yeah. I think February 2010's uh, when it got demolished. Yeah. Well, I think the one game I remember with that old setup was uh, the John Rankin Squiggler game. The, the Hib Celtic oh, yeah. I mean that that for me has to go down as uh, one of the most satisfying moments as a non-old firm supporter uh, because you know it was it's it's a it's a very memorable and iconic goal but not really for the for the strike but for the terrible piece of goalkeeping I'd argue by Arthur Boric uh, it wasn't Boric's first mistake he used to do that um, he's had a few highlights but I think every neutral would have loved Boric making that mistake because I think he was he was such a detestable character yeah yeah. he's just such a wind up merchant he was he was a good keeper though to be yeah. fair he, he, he had his moments Boric but you know right. I, I, probably the bonus one is you know I, I'm wearing my Manchester United shirt as we're doing this and the one unfortunate thing I remember of him is saving that penalty at, at Celtic Park you know in the, the, the Nakamura game and you know he was he was a good keeper but you are right he was a wind up merchant I think that's why you know he was loved by Celtic supporters Totally, the, the holy goalie. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely comes into view. Let's talk about your situation because I've got here that you. One of your old things that I saw on your Twitter was leading Scotland's conversation, and uh, you know, you also have a, a piece that you do which is connected to the Statement League, which is also very interesting. I wanted to know why you wanted to follow statements by clubs because to me it seems really interesting, but at the same time also feels like it might be quite repetitious. Ah, it's, it's not exactly the most popular pastime. Mm. Uh, there's not many folk I've, I've got that in common with. Um, 
was um, there was an arts fan in my work okay. um, a few years ago and uh, we'd go for lunch every day and it was at the time that the hearts were building the new main stand mm. um, so what was that, was that 2017, 18? Uh, end of 2017 yeah. and um, every day there was just another statement and it was another excuse as well, it was like oh we've got, um, what was it they were blaming a company in Southeast Asia for not uh, <laughs> delivering seats on time, so they've been another delay to the stand. Ah, that's right, I remember um, this. <laughs> that company, I think, uh, complained to Hearts about uh-huh. um, their statement because it was a lie. Mm-hmm. So they released another statement the next day saying, actually, no, we forgot to order the seats. Um, <laughs> but then every day there was something else. There was another delay. Yeah. We didn't get the health and safety certificate. Um, so... They were, I think they were, at one point they were going to have to postpone a game against Party Thistle because... That's right, that's right, I remember yeah. this, yes. Uh, just a little card, it's basically be something like seven statements. I just made an off-the-cuff comment to my mate at work and I was like, oh, there was this statement leading you guys to... Um, I think it was someone saying they've had a bit of a, a poor run. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just after I'd sat on exam, so I had a bit of spare time. Um, <laughs> as not, it was before I'd sat on exam, and I was procrastinating. So I was like, do you know what? I'm, I'm actually looking at this. <laughs> who's, uh, who's done the most statements? Um, and it was hard. So then I, I was only going to send it to him as a joke. Yes. So yeah, I tell, I tell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, okay, uh, I'll just stick on Twitter, see what happens. And I, I got quite a decent reaction. Like, I, I think at the time I had about 300 followers. I was just full mm. through school and all that mm. Um, but I got quite a decent reaction and the perception of the statement league then to now is totally different I think mm-hmm. everyone gets that it was just a, it's just a sort of like taking the piss out of Scottish football yes. sort of yeah. um, view but back then Rangers and Hearts fans were very um, offended mm-hmm. Opin- <laughs> opinionated <laughs> is the word I would use but yes um. oh no Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that, and I love that you mentioned Hearts because it was a question I wanted to ask you all on before we were doing this. And obviously, as a Hibs fan, you know, a lot of rivalries with Hearts, and I love the Edinburgh Derby as a as a neutral because you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of fans obviously love the Old Firm Derby for because it is the biggest derby in Scottish football. But for me, as an alternative football fan, I always have loved the Edinburgh Derbies because they're always blood and thunder. They're always good good battles and usually it's a very good game although some matches recently have been nil-nil and not been that great but I mean what, what's your first what's your memories of uh, an Edinburgh Derby sorry, I, I lost it. oh sorry I was going to ask you what, what's your memories of an of a Edinburgh Derby what's your best and worst memories um, I mean I think we've already spoken about worst memories of an Edinburgh Derby well, well okay well, well not mention 5-1 again sorry yeah, Mm-hmm. Um, where 
Beast of the Rose really set up like that. It's not your sort of um, how do I, I want to put it? You're sort of more mental fans. Yeah. <laughs> sit next to the support, but I think that's what that is. That's the case. Yes. They're more uh, um, loud support that yeah. are there, and they're they're just hurling abuse at non-stop. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, all, there is like pent up hatred uh-huh. that uh-huh. builds throughout the game. So anyway. I mean, my, my first ever derby was pretty brilliant. Uh, was uh, Gary O'Connor, a last minute winner. Um, and uh, we only need 10 men derby. I don't oh, know yes. if you remember that. Yes, I remember that game. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, that was my first ever game as a season ticket holder, and that was just absolute carnage. And the OD stand, just. Yes. Uh, you, you, you're set, you're, you know, sitting, you're standing on your seat, uh, anticipating the goal. And as soon as it goes in, you end up with 20 rows in front, just swaying with the. Uh, I can think of many Aberdeen fans who'd be doing the same if they got a late winner against Rangers or something like that. But exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. recently, you know, as recent games I remember was obviously Hibs won at uh, Tynecastle before the shutdown, and Martin Boyle had a super game that day. I mean, he scored both goals, didn't he? That two-one game at uh, at Tynecastle. Yeah, I was got it. Just with family traditions around about Christmas time, uh, I was able to go to that derby. So it was the first oh. I missed in first derby I missed in years. You're joking. I missed it, um, but and also as well, I was watching it all through the BT app. Mm. It was about thirty seconds behind live, so like, I'm watching the game, uh, and then my, my phone's pinging, going, "Yes, yes, get in there!" All that. Um, so I was like, it was hard to watch that one because yeah. I knew he scored, and I'm just waiting to watch it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't any of that euphoric sort of jumping at your seat. Exactly. Or, and all that sort of stuff but no, we were brilliant that day yeah um, well certainly the first half anyway yeah and Martin Boyles two goals were brilliant Scotland's assist for both of them I think were really really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Um, but then typical Hibs like spent the whole second half just inviting pressure yeah and Alex Hart could easily got a draw that day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean we yeah. want to know but yeah no no it's, it's, it's a really interesting theory because you know I mean I'm a, I'm a big fan of Martin Boyle you know I mean I, I mean as a, as a as a genuine football manager buff I, I always buy him because he's pacey and he's always scoring goals and creating chances and he's a really good and vibrant player for Hibs I think he's been totally underestimated almost definitely throughout the entire time at Hibs um, certainly when we got him from Dundee he was only ever seen as a sort of backup player um, and we all knew we had pace a bit like him in a way that nobody really trusted him one on one yeah so like you knew he could get you up the pitch, you could maybe cut it back, create some chances, but you never had faith in him being ah, oh, what's the word? Just able to take advantage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. certainly in the last few years, he's just he's just been a totally different player. Yeah. Um, one of our best players by far. And I, I still don't think he gets that recognition. I think I know that you're saying guys like yourself, Bayern foot manager, and he is getting some praise in the media. But had he been doing this at Celtic, he's a multi-million pound player. Definitely. No, definitely. I agree with that. And, and I think, obviously, Johnny Hayes went to, to Celtic from Aberdeen. And we, we were raving about him. And, you know, he yeah. went to Celtic and, you know, he had kind of fits and starts to the team. And then he had the injuries and things like that. And he's not really kind of been consistent in that team. Obviously, Greg Taylor's in there as well at Kilmarnock. It's, it's a tough old shift. Oh, 100%. Um, I, I, well, I think Boyle could definitely job at Celtic. And there was talk of it, I think, when Neil Lennon first went. Back to Celtic, and I think it was maybe the January transfer window. They were they were struggling 
or sort of depth. And you know, there was talk about maybe going there, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he is too good for Hibs, mm. but I don't think he has that perception at all. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's quite modest as well. I don't think he sees himself as being yeah. that sort of guy that would force his way in. And his missus isn't bad either. I know she's doing well for Hibs as well, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Hibs ladies are, I think they're really good. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because Hibs women are, are are really kind of going up the tree a little bit because obviously Glasgow City women have been very strong. But, you know, Hibs women have been really solid in Europe. I mean, we said about Hibs men, but, you know, Hibs women in Europe have, have, have flown the flag well for Scottish football as well. I think, well, Hibs ladies are probably your most established... They're certainly the most established sort of uh, club in ladies football other than Glasgow City so like, in terms of like Hibs, Hearts, Rangers, Celtic Hibs ladies have been there for a long long time yeah and before before Glasgow City came on the scene it was Hibs ladies that were winning everything yeah um, but I think I think in the last few years up until maybe last season they'd won the double I think three years in a row or something mm. both domestic cups really done really well and then obviously in Europe as well they're in that Bayern Munich at yeah. Easter Road um, I think they got beat 7-0 maybe yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, one, but, but, that, but that shows you where they've got to and, and where they need to get to kind of going forward and that can only be a good thing I believe I totally I just I, just, I think for ladies football to ever, I don't think ladies football will ever really get an opportunity to prosper in Scotland mm-hmm. and I think that's partly because fans of the men's team are almost because there's not a lot of money in the Scottish game mm. that any money is diverted away from the Scottish sorry men's first team yes fans get really annoyed that. Even, even within my group of pals like um, there was talk recently at the, the last Hibs AGM that Hibs were wanting to invest a lot of money in sort of infrastructure um, like improving match the experience that sort of thing yes it sounds all like it's really good news Um but it's to the detriment of some well, other things. Pal, that's what my pals were saying. It's like, well, you're just taking out the playing budget. Yes. So if you, if you invest that in playing budget, you might actually have a better team that mm. can get more money in the door. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's finding that balance, that isn't it? Sense. Yeah, that, because of that makes sense, Scottish Bank, it'd be really, it's really difficult for the ladies' game to really prosper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a very interesting point of view, and I think quite a few people will agree with that. I mean, I mean, I think off the back of the, the Women's World Cup in, and obviously the Women's European Championships in the past, I wonder if that may be attraction for for Scottish women's game. Uh, we've already seen how it goes so well down in England, but as you say, the budget maybe isn't the same as it is down in England, and, and also in comparison yeah. to other countries. I mean, it's, it's probably not going to be long until. Uh, the ladies' game in England has a better TV deal than the Scottish mm. men's game. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, you're probably just, right. Yeah, you're probably right. Game down south, and like, and it's catch twenty two for us as well because it's only forcing um, our best players mm-hmm. to go down south in the English game as well. Yes. Yeah. You make you bring up a really interesting point because we chatted before we came on uh, the podcast about the, the current state of Scottish football and as I said at the top of this podcast, uh, Lewis, you're a guy who is a very positive thinker about how we can really improve the product of Scottish football. Now, we, we obviously had Darren Fletcher on BBC Sports Sound recently trying to say that we don't talk the game up enough. What do you feel should we be doing as a product for Scottish football? Just, I, I think we, should, we need to be a lot more innovative in Scotland, I think I think maybe I mentioned it earlier, um, or maybe it was before we, we started uh, 
show, but mm-hmm. I think there's just an acceptance that this is as good as it's going to get, mm-hmm. and we're we're happy to see the same teams and trophies every year. Yeah. Um, I mean, the rest of us, the Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, Kelly, rest of the league, we're only here to play to get to Europe. Yeah. Like, what is our purpose? We don't. Well, or to battle, or to battle to win the the two the league cup or the Scottish cup. I, yeah, I, uh, in the last couple of years, it's, it's, it's not even been an, an opportunity really. Celtic have just been that dominant, and that, that largely comes out of the European money. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, if I was the, the chief exec of the SPF or whatever, I would, I would actually have a sort of innovation department, or just a group of guys who are solely tasked to look at. Uh, other similar nations um, in other sports as well and see what are they doing yeah. that can make our product as best as possible because the reason teams down south like Bournemouth and, uh, that are able to pay, I don't know I don't even know, maybe 10, 20 times what Hibs can afford to pay in wages mm-hmm. is purely because they've got a very, very good broadcasting deal Yes. although this new deal is kicking in next season if that ever starts is going to be better for clubs and there'll be more money in the club's pocket yeah it's never gonna like close the chasm between the old firm and the rest yeah ever until we get to a point where the TV money in Scotland massively outweighs gate receipts yeah like it does down south yes Um. so we need to really work as a, a country to maximise mm-hmm. revenues coming in the door yeah yeah, and that, that can happen at a club level. I think, I think Hibs, to be honest, Hibs, I think, are doing a really good job of looking at all the different sort of streams that, all the different sort of potential revenue streams that can uh, bring in sustained income for yeah. future years to really give us that advantage to try and invest in the in the, the first team. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when I spoke about uh, Hibs investing in infrastructure to improve like the the experience that's it's maybe an investment now but the reason behind it is to get more guys to the door uh, to create a better product to hopefully have more income coming in yes well I've been having a look at your your kind of theory about how we can improve the Scottish game and it it, it involves expanding the league Uh, you're looking at the Europa League playoffs two in brackets or three relegated, less repetitive fixtures. Um, you know, an, an opportunity for for higher crowds, away days to make more of an occasion, and you know, trying to kind of maybe limit limit this four assumed old firms for TV. I mean, how plausible can you see any of these coming into play? I mean, I, I think anything that progressive is going to be really difficult to get through in Scotland. Mm. I think we've we've seen over the last few weeks. Well, in May and April anyway um, how difficult it is for change yeah. to, to happen I mean do I feel sorry for Harps getting relegated probably not but the right thing would be to expand the league but that it's just not going to happen mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, teams don't want to have three or four relegation spots in the future yes. in a, a 12 team league uh, a 14 team league sorry but I think with that the 16 team league that I proposed I think that I just think that would give us a totally different product. Yeah. Like I genuinely think, come the end of the season, come the business business end. Yes. F- fans, like they won't be able to stay away from mm. like the game. They'll just be so interested in the fixtures that are coming up. They'll be yeah. like, 
the same way most of us are before derbies or old mm-hmm. fun games getting excited all week like that that's what would happen to your everyday fixture so like Hibs yes. and Johnson for example it's probably no our biggest game of the season it's just another Saturday that you see your pals in the pub have uh-huh. a few beers go to the Hibs game um, but like have that fixture at the end of the season where there's the something to play for yeah, a European playoff spot. Yeah, because yeah, because what's really because what's really interesting here, and I was just having a look at this, and and I think it's a very very interesting point. And I, I I said to many of my listeners that I also am an avid follower of the Northern Irish League, and one of the things that I find really interesting is they have a split like they have in, in Scotland, but the team that finishes seventh or they used to anyway was in with a chance to qualify for the Europa League playoff between um, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth would go into a Europa League playoff, and one was seventh, so fourth would play 7th and 5th would play 6th and then the two winners would play off to see who gets into the, the qualifying round for the in, in Northern Ireland. Now, whether that works or not for them is, is up to them. I think it's an, an interesting idea uh, but also it's a very different concept because you know there are some clubs in Northern Ireland that have to apply for a pro licence which you know I believe can be very costly for a lot of clubs like say a Dungannon Swifts for example um, and that is obviously not viable. In Scotland though that potentially could be worth a go. Totally. I, I think anything that sort of prolongs the season for as long as possible for as many teams as possible yeah. is a good thing. Like right now, um, as I said earlier, like going up to Aberdeen uh, just before lockdown and getting beat, that was our season over. Mm-hmm. And that's what eight, eight or so games still to play. Yes. Because there is no playoff uh, other than the relegation playoff. Yeah. In the league, like it's just your your third place gets Europe and fourth maybe gets Europe depending on yeah. who wins the cup. Like so, realistically, you've got teams that are between sort of fifth and ninth. Their season's over. Yes. Pretty much, almost yeah. as soon as the split starts. Yes. We're only there to make up the numbers, really. Mm. No, um, I, I I completely agree with you. So I think if, if we're able to introduce some sort of playoff system for Euro- Europa League. Um, that that'd be huge for Scottish football. Definitely. But just 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 think how many sort of TV fixtures that gives us. Absolutely. And, like you could you could do it in home, home or in the way, or you could have it in a neutral venue. Mm-hmm. And have to take the game around the country, so it's mm-hmm. not going to be Rangers and Celtic in the, the Europa League playoff spots. You're going to have sort of teams like Hibs or Kelly or whatever. So you could have Kelly St Johnston getting played in a neutral venue mm-hmm. at Easter Road or something. Yeah. Like yeah. one who goes to Europe. Yes. That would be, be incredible. I think it would be really exciting. I think it would be totally innovative and very different. And I think, as you say, I think a lot of people would take interest in that because it's trying to build and improve the profile of Scottish football in a nutshell. Yeah, but I, the, the sort of system that I proposed there is similar to what uh, Denmark do. Yeah, I mean, I've got yeah. it in front of me here, and and you make the point about the Denmark league. I mean, I, I think it's a very interesting setup, and. You know, I I think it would be a, a dream concept. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I think problem as we've just rightly said is that there is this reluctance for change, and you know, we we've been hearing as we recall us on the seventeenth of May that there might be a back the reconstruction possibly is maybe back on the table. We've had all this discussions about what Anne Budge is doing and what Rangers are doing, and we've had all this kind of discussions about you know whether there should have been a hearing and all this sort of stuff, and whether a, a QC should have been involved. It's it's all a real mess, isn't it? 
I mean, I mean, I was speaking to my co- I, I, a colleague I speak to on Instagram, who's also been a previous guest of this podcast, Michael Clark in Northern Ireland, and I, I, I keep saying to saying to him, I just says, I just, I cannot understand why Scottish Scottish football had a big opportunity to be innovative and new, but instead they've tried to be too clever, and as a result, they've shot themselves in the foot. And once again, you know. We talked about building the concept of Scottish football, and you know, we, we you know, it, it, this things like that. It, it just makes us look like, quite frankly, morons. I no, it, it, I think it, it'd be easy to think that we're a bit amateur. Yes, um, that's a better um, word, amateurish. Uh, <laughs> we're not like we wouldn't think that would happen in, in England. Yes. So like, I, I can't see. Uh, the English leagues having a situation where there's so much distrust um, amongst their member clubs yeah. against the the organisation, and that's the problem we've got in Scotland. Is clubs don't trust the SPFL anymore, and with that Dundee vote, it's just sort of created. Well, I don't think they trusted the SPFL before, mm-hmm. and then well, the Dundee vote getting yes. lost in the email folder. That's just created a whole new level, mm-hmm. a whole new layer. My biggest problem wasn't the statement that Rangers put out. My problem was the timing. The timing and the whole approach from the start was always destined for disaster. And I think that is my biggest gripe in the whole process. My other biggest gripe in the process is that Brora and Kelty Hearts, for winning the Highland League and the Lone League, albeit it was declared because of this horrible pandemic that we're in, you know, look like it's going to count for absolute diddly squat because they're not going to get an opportunity to a, have a battle between themselves, but B, have that opportunity to try and get into the pyramid system at the, ex- well, should have been at the expense of Brecon City, rightly or wrongly finished bomb, and I have a soft spot for Brecon City. You know, I've had Mark Wilson on this podcast, and I like Mark, he's a really thoughtful guy, and, and it's a real shame what's happened to Brecon, you know, it wasn't that long ago they were in the championship, but the fact of the matter is, as of well, the lockdown, they were bottom of League 2. Now, if the season was declared, which it was, Cove was champions, as were, were Wraith and Dundee United, you know, they were 10th. And if you're relegating Partick Thistle, Stranraer and Hearts, as things stand, you know, quite frankly, Brecon should have been waiting to get in a playoff against um, Kelty and Baroda. And that hasn't happened. And that, for me, is criminal and just makes an absolute mockery of the Pinnamon system. Yeah, I think... I do, I do agree. It's just the only thing that I would maybe... Like say to part with the SPFL on that is that they've just scrapped playoffs altogether. Mm. So Hamilton have survived, Queen of the South have survived, Forfar have survived, um, purely because the playoffs have been scrapped. And when they introduced the sort of pyramid system back in 2013 or whatever it was, yeah, um, they they just refused to put in a well, and that was wrong at the time mm. and it's, it all comes down to the voting systems that are in place in Scottish football like the fact that any sort of change needs to go through uh, what is it you need to get a 75% vote in the Premiership the Championship and League 1 and League 2 combined um, but then for any I think there's, there's special changes uh, so if you're expanding the leagues so we'll go from 42 to 44 mm. Uh, you need 11 votes in the Premiership out of 12. Yes. But I just I just can't see anything that's ever going to... Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I yeah, think you're probably right. And, you and know, Scott sits down and says, well, we're going to have a vote on changing the voting systems. 
we're all pissed off at the the outcomes here. Yeah. The only way we can change the outcomes to have something fairer is if we have a vote today to say that we're scrapping this 11 out of 12, 9 out of 12, whatever, mm-hmm. and we're saying we're going to go with a majority. Mm-hmm. So not 50%, so in the, in the, in the Premier to have 7 out of 12, for example, 8 out of 12. Yeah. Something that's got a bit more scope and wiggle room. Yeah. That still benefits the majority of teams. Yes. Um, I think that's the first step that has to take to get any sort of change in that's mm. going to help Scottish football progress. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a very fair point, but, you know, it, it's a really frustrating system that we have, and, you know, you're like me, and, and I, I can I can sympathise with this, I'm, I'm frustrated at Scottish football because there is an opportunity to make it a better product, but at the moment, it is lacking. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. The, the first step for me is to change the vote systems, but in, ter- in terms of helping out uh, Brora and Kelly in doing what's right for Scottish football, and by having as minimal negative effect on as many clubs as possible. For me, the only way that's going to be able to achieve that and meet the requirements of the voting systems would be to expand the championship. Yes. Um, Where you still have a 12-team top tier, have a 12-team championship, and you think you have the two 10-team League 1s and League 2s. That would allow Kelty and Brora to enter into the Absolutely. league system. It gets Edinburgh City promoted, it gets uh, Falkirk promoted, who are losing it on one point just now, mm-hmm. um, which is an injustice. I agree. But Crystal stay up, yeah. who have a game in hand. And exactly, and if they won it, they would have been off the ball. Again, I agree. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, save Strand Rahar, who probably deserve to be saved least out of those clubs because they were, they were a wee bit behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they were due quite a lot of home games they? They Yes, they had a couple of games in hand And I think they were due to play Forfar Who were just lying above them, weren't they? And right. I think that was yeah. their biggest gripe But yeah, it's it's a- as well. mm-hmm. um, I mean, just, it's just, it would just be collateral damage That yeah. hearts would unfortunately yeah. <laughs> but my, big, my, biggest, my biggest worry as well is Obviously we're, we're recording these podcasts In the middle of a global pandemic And my biggest thing that has to come out of all this is we cannot afford to lose any clubs out of this i mean you know and that for me is a big concern you know we've heard you know i think i heard with on the totally scottish football podcast that you know elgin were were needing to get some money because they were possibly three weeks away from from going out of business and whether that was true or not i don't know but that would be very problematic i would say and if we lose not if we lose one club we may lose it may be a domino effect we may lose two three four in a quick succession measure has to be taken to save as many clubs as possible. 100%. And the problem with the sort of uncertainty right now is that a lot of clubs aren't necessarily able to plan. Yes. Um, so, obviously, I don't know where we're going to get football back up and running, whether it's going to be behind closed doors, um, X, Y, and Z, and if we had answers for that, even if we knew it was going to be January, mm-hmm. and we just knew for a fact it was going to be January, it's, it, it starts up, then the clubs can plan for that. Mm-hmm. They don't know what amount of money they need to raise. Um, they know when they can afford to get players on contracts, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. Uh, they know when they can defer wages until. Um, but it's uncertainty right now that's killing these clubs. Definitely. Um, I, I don't know enough about the finances of lower league clubs, to be honest. Um, I don't know what sort of liabilities they've got, what sort of income streams they expect, because I don't imagine season tickets are something that 
Well, I, I wouldn't have thought so, no, but I don't really know myself, to be honest. Because even, even if you are a big fan of these clubs, it's never going to sell out. No. So you don't need to have a season ticket. Whereas with Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, whatever, um, especially Rangers and Celtic, like you know there's going to be games in season that are sold out. So the only way you can guarantee you're going to be there Yes. tickets. Yeah. But I don't think clubs uh, in League 1 and League 2 have that um, luxury. So where, where Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, Rangers and Celtic, I don't know if... I don't know if Rangers still have the season tickets on sale, but many clubs in the Premiership have the season tickets on sale right now. Yeah. I know that Hamilton uh, and Kilmarnock were not doing so season tickets. They were doing gate on the gate, weren't they, I believe? What's that, sorry? I'm saying Hamilton and Kilmarnock aren't doing season tickets, I believe. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what Kelly are doing, but I read Hamilton's statement the other day, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and they were saying that they're not going to sell season tickets at all, they're just going to have yeah. walk-ups next season. Um, fair enough I mean I don't understand why I don't know if it's because they, they have such few season to go holders I think they only had about 600 last year right that it's maybe not worth the admin and uh, sort of organising uh, refunds etc whereas like we have uh, up until today uh, well up until last week we sold something like 7,000 season to go season right. tickets so you're talking like Oh, yeah, that's a big chunk of money. Yes. Um, I've not got my calculator in front of me, but a season ticket's about £400 East Road. You've got 7,000. A lot of them will be kids and whatever, but that's hundreds of thousands of pounds in the door that the club have right there. Mm-hmm. That they, they, don't, they don't need to spend it. Yeah. But they have the certainty of that money coming in the door. Yeah. That they're able to plan it, plan with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I forgot what the question was. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying it's just. It's, I don't think it was a question. I think it was just a, a a kind of statement. It's just a very difficult time for all clubs. But my my last question on this subject for you: um, Do you think the SPFL top flight should be finished now, um, or should they wait to see the season out? I think when it all came about at the start, um, it wouldn't have avoided it to have been called. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was only fair that the remaining games were played um, because you're, you're just going to have the argument going on forever so Celtic going for 9-10 in a row like it doesn't matter how much you try and ignore the old firm for years we're going to have to listen to this nonsense of Asterix trophies and stuff mm. because of this, the league not being completed yeah. um, same with Harps like Try to be a bit diplomatic, but I do want, like, as a Hibs fan, it's obviously natural for me to want Hearts fans to suffer on yes. the pit. But if they're going to get relegated, I want them to experience getting relegated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want them to have to go to the game last game of the season. Need to get someone other down. Yeah, yeah man, like <laughs> experience the disappointment I, I felt when Hamilton scored the. Uh, scored the winning penalty or Jason Cummins missed the penalty relegated yes I mean, I'm not trying to be better here that's just how no 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 no, no. but I, I can understand I, yeah no, I can understand no it's um, so I think it's a natural feeling for a, for a for a fan of a of your rivals exactly, exactly. it's mm. affectionate at the moment yes uh, <laughs> um, but I think the more it's gone on the more information that's came about UEFA dictating certain dates the games have to be played when next the next season has to be started, etc. I think 
it's, it's almost out of the SPFL's hands. It is. Um, I mean, I, I don't understand why this season can't just be finished whenever football can be resumed. Mm-hmm. And next season is the season that's flexible. Yeah. So next season, maybe they only play each other home and away. Mm-hmm. Have a 20 game season or something, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then after that, we can get back to the normal season. Mm-hmm. But. I sort of think there is a bit of appetite from the SPFL more appetite than was maybe needed to mm. call it earlier Yeah. I don't think that they've, they've not painted themselves in a good light at all they haven't waited for the scientific information to back up um, what I think they've always wanted from the outset Yeah. and they just wanted to call it yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and we'll certainly have to, to keep a view on it uh, with watching brief. Now, I asked Lewis to pick his uh, best Hibs 11 um, for uh, my new feature on Campbell's Football, which is called My Best 11s. Um, so, Lewis, without further ado, do you pre- uh, announce your Hibs 11? Uh, to be honest, it has been a bit of a struggle, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't give you a lot of time to do it, so I do apologise. I do apologise, sorry, about that. That's it. There's not that many great teams that I had to really reminisce about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I maybe went with a four-three-three for this. Right. Um, so I went for Leighton and goals. And when I when I first started going to games, I thought he was pretty a pretty brilliant keeper. Um, obviously, I was a bit too young, really, mm-hmm. to totally mind. We haven't had that many great keepers since. Yes. Uh, I think off your Marciano right now is probably the best keeper yeah. we've had since. Um, other than the legend of uh, Conrad Logan, yes. but <laughs> yeah. I didn't really trust him playing another mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as right back, I was sort of swaying between Whitaker and Gray. Um, Whitaker in his younger days was obviously amazing, but David Gray scored the, the cup winning goal. Exactly. He's uh, got so he to go in, to surely. David Gray's got to go in just because of that moment alone, surely. He, he goes in every position. Right. <laughs> um, Love it. We really struggled with over the years, same as in goals. Yeah, but it probably isn't that many centre backs that really stand out. Paul Hanlon for me stands out because of his longevity. Hi, um, I do like Paul Hanlon. Um, you know, obviously, the amount of games he's played for us has been un- unbelievable, but I just don't think he's that level. Do you know what I mean? Fine, yeah, being, fine. He's obviously a legend, one on the yes. cup, um, but in terms of like, had been on, not won the cup, would he be remembered as a legend? I'm not so sure. Yes. There's guys like Sozie, who I'm always a bit conflicted with Sozie going as a centre back because I I don't really remember where he played <laughs> when he played. Yeah, perhaps. yeah, yeah. Well, I think he was either a, a full back, but he did play centre half certainly in his latter years. But he's a very good player. He could play him in either position. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I put I put Sozie and Rob Jones. Oh, that's a good uh, shot. Rob Jones is a good player. Yeah, that's a good shot. Yeah. Uh, he was another captain that scored in the cup final against Kelly. Yeah. In 2007. Yeah, that was the opening goal, wasn't it? In that in that final, I think. But I remember Paul Mitchell was coming to it another game, the five-one game. Yeah. I Paul Mitchell was coming to it. Yeah, I was Rob Jones scored one, Fletcher scored two, Benji scored two. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes. Brilliant game. Yeah. And for <laughs> a Hibs fan, not for a Kelly fan. Sorry, Kelly fans listening to this. Not for a Kelly fan at all, no. <laughs> so who've you got on the other side? So that's interesting. Uh, so for me, it's David Murphy that day. Oh yes, yes, Hibs yes. I think he's the best left back Hibs have ever had. Quite interested to see that you've not put De La Cruz in. Um, to be honest, I, I don't know if he was at Hibs for long enough. And yeah. I wasn't obviously really going. Yeah. Every 
game when he was at Hibs. Yeah, he was quite a good player, and he he had a, had a, he kind of travelled about a bit. I think he was in the Premier League, wasn't he, in England? And, I, no, he went to Aston Villa. Mm-hmm, that's uh, right. For a bit, he, he's still a record signing to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't a terrible player by any means. It was just a bit of a, but I, I think that back four is really good. Right, let's move into the midfield because this is going to be interesting. Aye, so I, I think we've been quite blessed with a lot of really good midfielders over the, over the the years. I think Scott Brown has to go in. Yes. Whether that's sort of on the right, because when he came through, it was a bit of a right winger. Mm-hmm. It was tremendous there. Um, and then before he signed for Celtic, he was a, a brilliant centre mid, and he's only went on to be even stronger and better as he's got older. Yeah. Um, he definitely gets in. Um, and alongside him is John McGinn, obviously, because John McGinn's the player I'll tell my grandkids about. Definitely. Like, Brilliant just, player. I, just, I, I remember his first game um, when he asked the same for St. Mirren, like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, oh, he's a superb player. I'd never really heard of him at St. Mirren. And he yeah. normally cut his hearts yeah. a couple before. Yeah. Um, but just almost instantly he just knew this guy was going to be a player mm-hmm. he just, he's just so unorthodox as well yeah, way, yeah. He's and, he, and he's turned into so such a big player for Scotland on the national stage as well I totally I think he's a hat trick in one of his yeah games. yes that's right <laughs> not no yeah. at all yeah I know um, but he has to go he, he'll, I think he'll have an amazing career I think so he already, he already seems to be uh, you know at, at Aston Villa wouldn't be surprised if he does a Randy Robertson and Goes to that next sort of next level of club. Well, maybe he goes to maybe he goes to, to this team, Man United. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Any trophies if he goes to Man United? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> right, next. Uh, then in front of in front of those two, I'd have Scott Allen. Um, it's quite difficult between him and Russell Latapy because obviously, as you said earlier, he's a bit of a magician, Latapy, mm. like a great great player. But again, just probably more sort of recency bias. That yeah, yeah. I never see much of Latapy, whereas I've, I've watched a lot of Scott Allen yeah. over the years. Now, I always, uh, now I, always have, I always have this discussion um, with my friend Josh, who I mentioned earlier on this podcast, about Stevie Mallon. And, and, and when Stevie Mallon first broke on the scene, it was, I thought, this is a guy's a really, really good player. And it's always tempted to have a pot shot from distance. I mean, what, what's your opinion on him? Because I thought he might have maybe be coming in your, in your reasoning and maybe on the bench in this team. Maybe. Um, I think if, if we're able to have kickers in football, and you could sub guys on for free kicks or whatever. Yes. I'd have Malin in the squad. Yeah. Uh, but I just think, in terms of his overall play, I don't think he does enough off the ball. Yeah. Uh, to really. I mean, Alan doesn't do a lot off the ball either. No. To be fair. But I just think Alan's probably one of the. If not one of the. If not the best passer yeah. I've ever seen in the Scottish game. I can't think of anyone that can unlock the fences like he can. No. He, can't, he doesn't always turn it on. Yeah, no, he's a really but, good player. And no Michael Stewart as well. Is that because he played for them? <laughs> in your words? <laughs> uh, do you know, I, I didn't even think of the Michael Stewart, to be honest. Uh, I mean, he scored one of the best goals I've ever seen at Easter Road. Yes, yes. I know it was against Aberdeen. Please don't uh, remind me of that. <laughs> it was a great goal. I think, I thought he was a good player, but he was just, I think he was a bit average. Mm. I had. I mean, he probably wouldn't like anyone saying that yeah. he, he and no like Kevin him. Thompson either that's really interesting because that was probably his best period in his career at Hibs I I, I think some of my pals would have picked this team they'd have Kevin Thompson and McGeeck in yeah. but I sort of look at it I don't know who I could take out mm. Alan probably is the one that you could take out Yes. but at the same time like Kevin Thompson McGeeck they don't really give you that uh, mm-hmm. bit of creativity yeah 
And at the end of the day, it's your team, and I'm biasing it by saying, oh, why didn't you think of this? It's your team. Aye. So, sorry, enough of me yattering. Right, up front three. Uh, aye, so... This is probably it's, this is probably the hardest decision to choose from. We've had so many good strikers over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, never really coming together at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'd have to go with uh, Lee Griffiths, Anthony Stokes, and Derek Arden. That's a phenomenal um, Gary O'Connor and Stephen Fletcher and guys like that. But yeah. I'm just amazed that Russell Latapie isn't in this team, but that's a formidable front three. And that, that's the beauty of people doing this, because it's just so difficult to pick an ultimate 11, depending how old you are. But also, you, you've gone to a lot of Hibs games, and you've talked to a real mix in there. And, you know, you mentioned people like Darren Riordan. I mean, he was a brilliant player for Hibs. Yeah, Riordan was tremendous at Hibs. Um, some of the goals he scored absolute screamers. Yeah. If you could finish from anywhere. Yeah. It's a, bit, it's a bit of a shame that he, he never really got to got his career to a level that he probably deserved to mm. get his career, but I yeah. think he would admit himself that yeah. he was the only person that stopped that. Yeah, and Stokes yeah. and Griffiths is, is absolutely outstanding. At, um, oh, oh, oh. Manager, we, we said about a manager, um, you said would Tony Mowbray be the manager? You said that earlier on. Uh, Tony Mowbray would probably have to be the manager. Yeah. Um, I think he has been the best manager my my lifetime. I can't, I can't even think of any better managers before. Mm. Obviously, we had guys like Jock Steen, was his manager. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I, obviously, I had um, Pat Fenlon, of course, but that didn't end up particularly well, especially in Europe. The 7 uh, 0 game no, comes to mind. I remember that game as well, it was horrific. Oh, was yeah. Unbelievable. Um, no, I quite like Pat Fenlon, to be mm. fair, but I just. I don't know. He got, he, he, I think he was an easy target. Yeah. Because um, he was just a wee guy, mm-hmm. like, a bit passionate. I think he was quite an easy target to. Mm. Yeah. Um, to. Oh, I can't remember. But, um, what, my last memory of uh, Pat Bellin was walking down uh, Leith Walk after we'd won the cup. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he was at the game, but he was certainly in Edinburgh that day, and he was walking down, celebrating mm. with all the fans. Brilliant. Which is pretty decent, considering he'd been at two cup finals before. Yeah. Yeah. So got embarrassed and people forget that that he was manager of Hibs for two cup finals yeah, uh, I just I just think a lot of us have tried to forget that period of time mm, I know <laughs> so between 2012 and 2015 mm-hmm. it was just a, it was just horrendous yeah yeah and Terry Butcher Colin Calderwood um, even like I quite like Pat Fellman but at the same time we were we were fighting out with Dunfermline to stay up in the league yeah and I mean Hibs are one of the biggest clubs in Scotland mm. I don't mean to patch my well and, and, and Scottish football should be looking at a strong Edinburgh double act Aberdeen you mentioned Celtic Rangers obviously they need a strong Hearts and Hibs. It's a, it's a bit like the Irish League needing a strong Cliftonville and a strong Glen Torren because you know with Linfield and Crusaders dominating in Northern Ireland, you need teams like Glen Torren and Cliftonville to be as strong as they can be to try and take points off these big two in Ireland now, Linfield and Crusaders. I'm just looking at it as a comparison to to the to Hibs in the grander scheme of Scottish football. Yeah, I think Hibs Hibs has I don't think they can be proud of the contribution of Scottish Show for the last 30 years yeah. on the pitch. Yes. I mean, Hibs have won a League Cup and Scottish Cup since 92, since I was born. Yeah. Um, 
that's not good enough. Yeah. Well, it, well, it is. It is one trophy more than Aberdeen. So let's think. Do you mean that? That's shocking as well. It is. It, it is. Must have won. And they won three Scottish Cups in that time. But yep. again, like two of them were when they were paying players they couldn't afford to play. Yeah. Oh, well. uh, to be. Well, well, that's we're not getting that. But. Yeah, yeah, no, well, no, it's it's a very interesting point. We're coming to the end of the podcast, Lewis. Two questions before we wrap up. Obviously, Jack Ross is now at the, the helm with Hibs. What? How do you see him continuing this Hibs run at the moment? Because he's come in from Paul Heckenbottom. He was obviously left. It didn't really work out for him the start of the season. And Jack Ross has come in. Is he a good appointment for you? I think at the time um, he was probably the best appointment we could have made. Mm. Um, I mean, we're not really in a position where we can <coughs> buy managers out of contracts. Yeah. He was out of a job. And yeah. the guys that we were sort of linked with, he was probably the best option we had. I, I wasn't that excited when we did appoint him, to be honest. Right. Um, I'm not sure. I've never been harsh. I'm just not sure what he really did achieve mm. as a manager before. Because so, obviously he's done a right Alloa. He saved St Mirren from relegation in the last mm. of the season. Yeah. Partly because, uh, from the Championship to League One, partly because John McGinn was helping his, his old team out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, they went to Sunderland, and with the budget they've got, they didn't get them up. Mm. Um, so is I'm that is that uh, your biggest worry with that? The fact that he didn't do great at Sunderland in terms of getting them up, and he's come to Hibs, you know, with that recent frustration, that disappointment. Does that filtrate through to you? Thoughts? Uh, I'm not too sure. I was listening to Graham Matty on a podcast that is he's um, the sort of Hibs sort of director of football equivalent yeah. um, and he was saying that one of the things they look for in players certainly that come into the club is that they've had big challenges mm-hmm. and they're sort of like growing up or in the game or whatever so like we would never have got uh, Jack Ross had they got promoted mm-hmm. Sunderland um, but you're probably getting a manager who's learned more out of not getting promoted and failing at the final hurdle. That's true. Than somebody who's um, managed just to walk the league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he should have done better with that team, but if you watch that Sunderland till I die, mm. it's just such a basket case of a club that. Yeah. It's a, it's a real shame what happened with Sunderland, and I'm not a Sunderland fan. I'm not. A, I don't really follow Sunderland that much, but I know a couple of friends of mine who are Sunderland fans, and. It, it's just it's a sad state of affairs what happened with that club. Yeah, I'm not sure how some a club the size of Sunderland can drop mm-hmm. in the league one. Well, it's almost the equivalent of what happened to Coventry, you know, the way that they've slipped down the leagues, or Portsmouth in, in more recent seasons. You know, obviously they won the FA Cup in 2008, and then they're now in League One, or they were in League Two not too long ago. It's just such big clubs back then, and they're only kind of making their way back up now. So at least of those clubs, though, there's total financial mismanagement. Yes. And they've maybe spent without, out with their means, mm. gaining an advantage they maybe wouldn't have earned organically. Yeah. They're now paying the price. Whereas Sunderland, um, just haven't, they've just been poorly managed at yeah. a boardroom level for so long mm-hmm. um, that they're struggling. And I think that, but that's, that happens up here as well. Yes, it does. But not on the same scale, obviously, but yeah. What's that, sorry? I'm saying not on the same scale, but yes. Aye, not not on the same scale. Um, But if you look how Rangers have been sort of managed at a boardroom level Mm -hmm. the last 10 years, it's been pretty embarrassing. Mm. Um, I mean, Rangers. 
Rangers fans won't agree with that because <laughs> they do not disagree with uh, what their, their club tells them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a very uh, interesting story, that is for sure. Last question for you, Lewis. Um, what's the ambitions for yourself, obviously doing what you're doing and, and trying to keep this positive mindset going, but also as a fan as well, following Hibs, what do you see in the future? Or what do you hope to see in the future, I should say? Um, that's a difficult one. Um, unfortunately, I can only see the status quo continuing forever, really. Mm. What I like to see is a, a sort of touch earlier, just a sort of a more outward looking league organisation sort of taking inspirations from other countries mm. uh, try to get buy-in from clubs to try something different mm. to be able to like to increase our, our, our market and our, our uh, sellable our, product yes um, and the same with Hibs as well and I think Hibs are doing that mm. um, I went to the AGM uh, a few months ago and uh, there's a lot of positive stuff coming from the club and that's the sort of side of football that I actually I wouldn't say I enjoy it more but I do have a bit of a passion for the off the field sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, at a boardroom level sort of trying to increase fan engagement getting more guys in the ground so it's something I'd love to see introduced as alcohol mm-hmm. uh, being sold in, st- uh, sold in stadiums yeah I would as well within reasoning you know, and that's my biggest concern. You're always going to have some nutters getting involved, like what happened with the incident with James Tavernier recently. And, you know, we don't want to see things like that. But the majority of people would be sensible about these things. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see that incident being prevented. I can't see that incident happening, like, without, like, we have pints before football anyway. I think it got to... Go- I don't think glass of any description should have been brought into the stadium anyway. How that was brought in, I have no idea. Yeah, that, that, that's that, got to be a big worry. That's the point, though, is that because there's a bit of a prohibition in Scottish football and fans want to have that extra drink Yeah. and we're not allowed to have it in the ground, we're being told you can't do this. Mm-hmm. So it's almost human instinct to... Yeah. Like... Rebel. So, had mm. if if we sold um, beer in Easter Road, you would have less folk try to sneak booze into the ground. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Like, not only would it make you a, a lot of money in terms of revenue, um, maybe getting more guys in the door. Like I went to a few games in Germany, mm. and it's a totally different match to experience. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree I, with that. Like, mm-hmm. If we could replicate something like that, that would get loads of folks through the door. Yeah. But there's other things as well that it would, it would, it would help with. It sort of reduces the bottleneck at the turnstile. Because mm-hmm. folk aren't brushing into the ground at 5 to 3 after downing the last dregs of their pint. Yes. So coming in maybe 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, whatever, mm-hmm. having some pints into the ground. Yes. Not stopping off at a, an off license on the way to the ground to get a half bottle of vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever to sneak in because yeah. the paint's in the ground. Well, I think it's an interesting view, and I, and 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 I, in principle, some of that I agree with. I just you know I think we we go back to what we've kind of said at the at the, the top of this podcast. It's the the sort of rhetoric of Scottish football at the moment is very you know negative to a point as as viewers to say you know we shouldn't really be happening. Yeah, I, I think. I think the media in Scotland can be a bit they should be a bit embarrassed about how they portray the fans 
Mm. And the way they patronise us right. a lot. Like I, I like a lot of the media. I like listening to sports sound. Um, but I, d- I just think these guys are so out of touch of fans. Mm. They get their free tickets at the games. Yeah. Um, they're not having pre-match pints with their pals. They're not using foot like for them. Football isn't a social connect they have with their pals. It's mm. a job. Mm. Um, and they only see the bad that happens in football. I think. Uh-huh. Whereas, like, for me, in my argument towards like reintroducing alcohol sales and um, sort of all the progressive side of things, yeah, like expanding league, whatever. That's for me. That's all in the name of creating this better fan engaged product mm-hmm. gets more guys to the door yeah but I don't think these guys care about that side of things like these guys are sports journalists yeah and experts in describing um, how a goal is being scored mm-hmm. like how, how to sort of give the reader a flavour of the game that they watched sure but these are also the guys that are telling us what we should think mm. They're going on their podcasts on like, a sports center on Monday night, and it's never a Saturday at the moment. And they're telling us we're not at the drinking grounds. They're telling us that um, Scottish clubs are going to die because um, of poor finances right now. Um, what was else? There's been a lot of things that they've been doing recently. Yeah. That I'm not saying it's fake news, but they're not qualified to have these opinions. Yeah. And I think what Scottish has been the biggest cri- criminal of in recent years is just not listening to fans. Yeah. No, 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 I think I, I, I can't disagree with this. I think it's a, I think it's a frank and, and, and honest yeah. view, and, and, and in principle, I, I don't disagree with this. Yeah. It's yeah, and they, they don't, not only do they not consult, uh, consult with fans, they're not consulting with the professionals that could give you a, like a... A positive mindset. I'm not positive. Yeah, I positive mindset, but just also they won't. Or a change in the rhetoric is maybe the phrase I'm looking at. But yeah, they won't. They won't do a proper business case and seeing what's going to be best for the game. Yeah, they just jerk to a negative reaction, mm. and that's what stagnates Scottish football ever improving as a product. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think in terms of what I want to do over the next like. I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. It's just to constantly try and not hold these guys to account because that's not really my job, but just to offer alternative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, guys like um, um, Sports Market in Scotland on Twitter, like, mm-hmm. he's really good for just looking at a situation and being like, this is what could happen. Yes. Like, this is how you like, just, as you say, positive, being a bit more positive and thinking outside the box yes um, I'm going a bit of a rant just now but I think it's a good well it's an interesting way to finish the podcast I think it's very very interesting <laughs> to hear your points of view I just feel as fans we've been totally let down by uh, the league the media um, and we, we deserve better we pay, we pay so much money individually towards the game yeah and even in terms of watching the game like I pay £400 for a season ticket um, if I want to watch the game like it's going to be in Sky Sports this year but Last season, I wanted to watch games. I'm having to pay for a Sky Sports subscription, a BT Sports subscription, a Premier Sports subscription. Um, and then the day they can listen to us. Yeah. And there are almost a totally fan-funded uh, competition. Yeah. Um, 
it's, it's, an, it's an interesting way to finish the podcast, Lewis. I've, I've really enjoyed our discussion. I, I really enjoy your frank and honest views on Scottish football. Keep that positivity going is what I would say because I think more people, including myself to be fair, need to understand that you know we can try to do more to improve our game and I'd, I'd, I'd love to I'm really thankful that you've decided to, to come on and express these views I just want to wrap up by saying thanks for being a guest on the Campbell's Fools podcast and chatting about Hibs and your best 11s I've enjoyed it well, I've had a really uh, a good time I've enjoyed the, the conversation yeah no uh, I'm usually better behind 140 characters on Twitter yeah but, uh, and you can find yourself <laughs> at Lewis Cumming on Twitter for, for those who are interested at Lewis Cumming brilliant Brilliant, no worries. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night!